the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, where the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and we're inviting you to call in with your questions, your comments, and your concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 Don't be shy. Pick up that phone and let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Well, tonight... Because Christmas is right around the corner, we're going to hit the pause button on our series, Neither Give Place to to the Devil, and bring you a special Christmas message. You know, during this time of the Christmas season, there is so much attention given to old St. Nick, that jolly old cookie-eating elf better known as Santa Claus. Santa Claus, like it or not, has become the culture's poster child for everything that is Christmas. He's the media darling of the Christmas season with his image on cards, toys, and candy. He's the subject of live action films and animated adventures. Santa Claus is on the lips of parents and children both inside and outside the church. Children the world over experience their first taste of insomnia on December 24th in anticipation of Santa magically coming down the chimney, bringing them a sack full of new toys. Each child hoping to catch a glimpse of the jolly old saint as he flies away in his sled pulled by eight tiny reindeers with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer leading the way. Well, tonight, Dr. Buckner will bring a special Christmas message entitled Santa Claus versus Jesus. Yes, you heard me correct. Santa Claus versus Jesus. So stay tuned for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. And thank you so much for that uh, interesting and yet uh, exciting uh, introduction. (laughs) It uh, truly got my attention. I know it got the attention of the listening audience. Well, we're uh, blessed tonight to be back uh, on the saddle. Uh, We've been out of the studio for a couple of weeks, and we are looking forward to ministering to your hearts tonight uh, through the Word of God. And as Brother Gary has said, we're going to do something a little bit different from what we've been doing, uh, and we're going to be talking about a comparison between uh, Santa uh, versus Jesus, Santa versus Jesus. And what I want to do is uh, share with you uh, 18 comparisons uh, of Santa and Jesus, and we know in reality that there is no comparison uh, between the two, but uh, we living in a culture today, in a world, in a society that seems to elevate uh, Santa even over Jesus, and not only this time of the year, but uh, oftentimes throughout the year. So we want to uh, let you know that uh, Jesus uh, is, I'm just saying this by way of introduction, that 
he is God incarnate in the flesh, and it's uh, true from the Word of God in John 1 and 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So no one can stand in a line with Jesus. He's in a line all by himself and to himself. So let's look at these uh, 18 comparisons and we want to um, encourage you to write them down. If you can't get them all down, you can always contact us, and we can make uh, the CDs available for you. Number one, Santa lives at the North Pole, but Jesus lives everywhere. You remember he said he'll be with us always, even until the end of the world, and he's uh, omnipresent, meaning that uh, he's everywhere. David said, if I took the wings of the morning and went to the uttermost parts of the earth, thou art there. If I made my bed in hell, thou art there. Jesus is everywhere, and Santa uh, lives at the North Pole, but Jesus is everywhere. And Jesus lives everywhere, especially in our hearts, if we truly believe in him. Number two, uh, Santa rides on a sled, but Jesus comes on a cloud with angels, and Jesus rides on the, the wind and walks on the water, and Jesus uh, rides on every Christian's heart if we allow him to do that. Thirdly, Santa comes but once a year. Jesus is an ever-present help. You remember Matthew 28, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. He's always an ever-present help. But Santa comes once a year. I want someone that's going to come in my life every day of the year, and that's Jesus Christ. And number four, Santa fills your stockings with goodies, but Jesus supplies all your needs at tells us in Philippians 4 and 19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, what a comparison. Number five, Santa comes down your chimney uninvited, but Jesus stands at the door and knocks and then enters your heart invited. He comes invited, Santa comes uninvited. And it tells us in Revelation 3 and 20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. And number six, you have to stand in, a, in the line to see Santa. You have to stand in line to see Santa Claus. But Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. You remember the Apostle Paul said in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. Number seven, Santa lets you sit on his lap, but Jesus lets you rest in his arms, and it lets us know that uh, he came, according to Matthew 11, 28, and 29, to give us rest and eternal rest in him. Number eight, Santa doesn't know your name. All he can say is, hi, what is your name? But Jesus knew your name before the foundation of the world, before you were created. Not only does he know your name, 
He knows your address, too. He knows your history, your future, and he even knows how many hairs are on your head. Isn't that a wonderful Jesus to know all of that about you? Number nine, Santa has a belly like a bowl full of jelly. But Jesus has a heart full of love, and it lets us know that in John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Number 10, all Santa can offer is ho, ho, ho. Those are the three H's of Santa. But the three H's of Jesus, Jesus offers health, help, and hope. What a Jesus. Number 11, Santa says, you better not cry. But Jesus says, cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. And in the book of Revelation, he will wipe away every tear from your eye. Oh, what a Jesus. Number 12, Santa's little helpers make toys. But Jesus makes a new life. Men's wounded hearts repair broken homes and builds mansions. We know this, that he makes a new life from Second Corinthians 5 and 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new uh, creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Oh, what a Jesus. Oh, what a Jesus. Number 13, Santa may make you chuckle. But Jesus gives you joy that is your strength. While Santa puts gifts under your tree, Jesus became your gift and died on a tree. Isn't that interesting? Let me say that again. Santa may make you chuckle, but Jesus gives you joy that is your strength. While Santa puts gifts under your tree, Jesus became a gift and died on a tree. Number 14, Santa wears a suit of red and white, but Jesus' blood is red that cleanses us from all sins. We learn in Isaiah 1 and 18, in Isaiah the prophet says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your, your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Notice the red in here. And later on, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So in Isaiah 1 and 18, you get the word white and red, and I would rather have that than the clothing of Santa. And number 15, Santa sits in a chair, but Jesus sits on the throne. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for Jesus. Number 16, Santa comes secretly in the night, but Jesus comes to us as a thief in the night. Number 17, Santa comes to give gifts, but Jesus comes to give a rewards and the loss of rewards. And you better make sure that you've been living right so you can receive a reward. And 18th and lastly, Santa comes to get uh, things to people who are naughty or nice, or especially those who are nice, but not to those who are naughty. But Jesus comes to forgive those who are naughty, and he also works with those who are nice, but 
neither being naughty or nice will get you in heaven. you got to be born again. Jesus comes to make you born again because being naughty or nice doesn't get you into heaven. And these are the things, the 18 things that we see in comparison to Jesus and Santa. Oh, don't put Santa on the level of Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and he made all things. Jesus is the creator. Santa is a creation. And that's what makes him different from any person, including Santa, as well. So Jesus is the real reason for the season. It is obvious that there is really no comparison. We need to remember who what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus, who's the true reason for the season. And he that has an ear, let him hear to these 18 points regarding the comparison between Santa and Jesus, and Jesus, there's no comparison to him. Brother Gary. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open, and we do want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We want to hear from you tonight. Again, that number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. We're the Cutting Edge Christian Apologetic Ministry, giving you reasons and answers for faith. And we're here with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we're excited to be back in the studio after being off for two weeks. And I just trust that all of you are uh, have come out of your L-tryptophan turkey comas, <laughs> and you're sitting there wide awake and alert with your pencil and Bible and paper and taking copious notes after uh, Dr. Buckner's uh, wonderful presentation tonight. It's so important for you as the listening audience, you know, when you tune in, be ready to take notes because you're going to get fed, you're going to get a lot of meat, and you don't want to miss out on all of this wonderful teaching. We also want to begin by thanking everyone who has been faithful Uh, Praying for contending for the faith Uh, without your prayers, uh, we would not be on the air. And that's that's the gospel truth. We need your prayers. We covet your prayers. And we thank you for your consistent prayers over this ministry. Um, And also, we want to thank those who partnered with us over the last couple of weeks uh, financially to support us. It's so important that uh, we have consistent givers. This is a listener-supported ministry. And without your support... Through prayer and giving, we would definitely not be on the air. So we want to thank, um, we had an anonymous giver. We had Cooper, David, Charlene, Gail, Mary, June, Jackie, Jim, and Kim, Diane, uh, Ronald, Scott, Valerie, Richard, Carol, Sandra, and Bruce, who stepped up and hit a home run for us. We want to let every know, everyone know that it does you know, cost us 400 a week, actually, to be on the air. And uh, so we really really need your sport, uh, especially at the Christmas season and everybody's shopping and getting ready for uh, the holiday. And uh, as you shop and as you spend and think about uh, our ministry and consider giving us a Christmas present along with all the rest that would keep this ministry on the air, that would keep us uh, doing God's will and providing reasons and answers for faith across these airways. It's so important that you uh, consider partnering with us in this area. 
There's two ways you can give. The first one is simply send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply go online. Get on your laptop, your cell phone, your computer, your tablet, and hit uh, go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and away you go. It's that simple. And you'll be making an impact in time and eternity in the lives of so many people who listen to this broadcast. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. And I think you bring out some very important points about uh, this is a good time of the year to give a gift to contending for the faith, uh, be a blessing. You know, I know we think about uh, so many uh, spending so much money on uh, gifts and things like that. and But uh, first, give to God and give to your local church. And then secondly, give to ministries that have been really a blessing in your life. Start it off with that and then start to uh, buy gifts for family members and all of that. You know, we got to prioritize and seek God first. That's what it tells us in Matthew six thirty three, And all these things will be added unto us. That's what Jesus said. Well, Brother Gary, let's get to uh, our callers. All right, let's go to Brother Cece on line one. How you doing, Brother Cece? Hey, how you guys doing? We are truly blessed, mm-hmm. uh, blessed to be back in the studio. Yes, it's blessed to have you guys back. Yes, sir. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. Very good. Did you have a great Thanksgiving? Uh, it was uh, kind of rough, but, you know, I got through it. You got through it. Well, praise God you yeah. got through it. Well, God's grace is sufficient for us in our weakness, and so he's able to get us through no matter what we go through. And we trust that you got encouraged by the word tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I was, um, I never, never. I mean, how God works, I never <laughs> don't go to like some pretty good points in those comparisons. And like, that was good, man. You know, I couldn't get all 18 down, but I got, I got, I got most of them down. That was, that was pretty good, man. I mean, I know God really works in you now. I never... I never heard it. I never heard that ever developed like that at all. And I think it's so true that it's such a big emphasis on Santa Claus. And I think parents they teach their children more about Santa Claus than they do about Jesus, or if they even teach them about Jesus at all. So they know about a Santa Claus, but don't know anything about Christ. It's, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We're hoping to uh, get this information to Gary and. Uh, put together a PowerPoint around it where we can show the face of Santa and then Jesus and uh, and then just uh, uh, bring forth a teaching around it. So, But um, if uh, you're interested, uh, we can make a CD available for you, so you just got to call us and request it, and uh, we'll get it uh, out to you. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I like that because I, I, I didn't get all the points. Yeah, it'll be one of our Christmas gifts to you, so we'll, we'll do that. Just uh, leave your address, and we'll make sure we get one out to you. That'll be a blessing uh, from us to you for a Christmas gift. Thank you. Uh, how, do, how do I do a call during the week, or what do I do? Well, you can just uh, give uh, Brother Rick. We're blessed to have him back in the studio as well. And you can just let Brother Rick, and we have Bomani helping him out as well. We're blessing okay. to be uh, with him tonight as well. Uh, so uh, you can let those guys know. Uh, give them your address, and uh, what we'll do is um, uh, get it sent uh, to you this week. 
Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. Thank Amen. You. Amen. And what's on your heart tonight? Um, I want to ask you um, a, 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 a two twofold question. The first one I want to ask you is, is um, in Matthew eleven twenty three and verse twenty four. If you can give me some some um, some some enlightenment on this passage, some illuminating work, I would really appreciate it. Okay, uh, why don't you read it so uh, the listening audience will know what the context of your question is? Okay, it says, Verily I say unto you that whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, if you shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which he, which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he said. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Amen. Well, thank you so much for, uh, you know, uh, your uh, reading of the Scripture. Well, every time I look at passages like this, um, we have to compare it to uh, John 5 and 14, where... Uh, it talks about, uh, John talks about, this is in First John, rather, First John 5 and 14, that we have this confidence if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So uh, here is Jesus mentioning the principle of prayer and uh, saying, uh, if you um, ask anything um, in my name, uh, you shall receive it, you know, uh, if you believe and that sort of thing. But we always got to put the will of God with uh, what we're doing uh, when we when it comes to prayer. Um, you know, there was um, uh, a in the Jewish culture. Uh, I think it's always important for us to understand that that the Bible is a Jewish book, and so we got to understand everything in the context of of uh, Jewish uh, vernacular. Uh, like, for instance, um, when it says that uh, Jesus said that he would be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Well, if you um, look at that literally, and he and he says uh, he will be uh, in the heart of the earth three days and three nights, and, uh, and then he'll be risen. Well, there's no way you can get three days and three nights out of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Friday to Sunday morning. You just can't. So when you look at Jewish uh, history and culture, and language, um, uh, the, a day in their day, a half of the day was considered a full day. That's according to the Jewish vernacular and Jewish uh, expression. Well, when you have this term, uh, the mountains being removed, uh, here is another metaphor that uh, Jewish people and the day would use. It was a metaphor uh, that was entitled uh, Rooter Up mountains, rooter up mountains. And basically what that simply meant was that uh, Jesus was, uh, and the rabbis had taught, and this is what the rabbis as well as Jesus taught, because he was a rabbi, that when you rooter up a mountain, that means that anything that's difficult in your way, uh, with God's help, it can be moved out the way. So Jesus is not saying literally that you're going to be able to move a mountain because he never did do that. In the three and a half years that he was ministering, he never did 
move mountains from one place to another, but it's a Jewish expression, uh, uh, a metaphor referring to uh, rooter up mountains, uh, R-O-O-T-E-R, rooter up mountains, and this means anything difficult in your way, uh, with God's help, uh, you'll be able to uh, move uh, it away from you that's difficult or uh, get through it uh, with God's help. And so uh, we always got to look at things in uh, context uh, as well as Jewish uh, culture and language. And so um, Jesus is encouraging them that uh, with God's help, uh, if it's according to his will, because we got to look at First John 5, if it's according to his will, and if we are in his will, anything difficult in our life, Jesus says it will be uh, removed uh, and put out of the way because there are so many things attacking us today. Uh, sometimes uh, there can be financial mountains in your way. A lot of people, if you were to say to most Christians today, uh, or are you going through a financial crisis? They would say yes, and it's not only it's not a small mountain. <laughs> it's not a small mountain in my life. It's a huge mountain. And then some people are going through huge mountains with addictions. They're going through huge mountains with alcohol and drugs and sex and pornography, uh, with um, anger, uh, with uh, cults. Uh, they can be the mountain in people's lives. And so with Jesus' help, uh, we can have those things be removed out of our lives, those difficult problems uh, and that's uh, in the way of us doing ministry. And when Jesus said, greater works will you do than me, uh, he wasn't saying it on a qualitative level, but a quantitative level, because on a quality level, Jesus did things that no one else could do but a quantitative level because we're here longer than Jesus was that we should be able to do greater works than him in terms of ministry. So hopefully that helps out. I'm just trying to get to the root of what the word is from the Jewish culture. And that's why it's important for us to have a understanding of that so that when we see passages like this, we can exegetically uh, interpret it clearly and biblically. Thank you. That's a lot of help. Very good. So you got that that word "rooter up mountains." Yeah, "rooter up mountains." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it now. I, I understand. Thank you. I appreciate very, that. Very good. Very good. Amen. And what's uh, on your heart regarding uh, prayer requests? I have one more question before prayer requests. We want to ask. Okay. What's that? I always ask you quickly, um, if you can, um, answer, what do you, what do you think, um, the components should be used for young adults between the ages of 18 and 45 who are dating, who are like courtshipping or chic seeking marriage in order for that, uh, relationship to, to, to grow and to, to, to be, uh, for them to be productive as young adults. So people between that age group who are seeking to be married and dating, uh, what do you think is the component should be used between the, you know, people between the ages of 18 and 45? Well, what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to give Gary an opportunity uh, to share something on that because he's uh, done some work in this area as well. And then I'll uh, add something to that in conclusion to that. Brother Gary. Well, you know, 
that's a wide range, 18 to 45. But let me just say this, that, you know, ultimately, you know, when we focus our attention on our relationship with God first, you know, we have an expression at our church, it's called chair time. And what chair time is, is that that's that daily devotion, that daily time in God's word and that daily time in prayer where you're sitting at God's feet, you're, you're listening to God, you're speaking to God, he's pouring into you, um, and he, in that process, you're getting direction, you're getting purpose, you're getting peace. And I think from that standpoint, you can begin to, to uh, move out in terms of, of, of a, a relationship, uh, a serious relationship in terms of, of marriage. God will lead you to the right person. Um, and, and then you always want to follow biblical principles because we know, for instance, uh, in any kind of type of intimate relationship, we know that there's, there are certain boundaries that you're not going to cross before marriage, right? So we know that if you're, if you're, if you're dating, if you're courting, that you're going to have limits. You're not going to get involved in sexual activity before marriage because that's unbiblical. You're going to look for a godly woman if you're a godly man. And if you're a godly woman, you look for a godly man. And so um, you're going to have to put yourself in places where, where you can find a godly person. And generally, that's in church or, you know, in Chris, uh, Christian groups of some type, either small groups or Bible studies or whatever, um, and also as God leads you. So I think it's important that you always maintain uh, your biblical standards for uh, for life and for living that you don't violate uh, what God says is is the correct um, way to go in terms of, of relationships, um, you know. And I think that people get really caught up into what culture is saying over what uh, Scripture is saying, and so we have to be careful. You know, Paul says, "Renew your mind daily," because we're constantly being exposed to what the world. And the culture is telling us, you know, a lot of people have an attitude where, well, you know, we don't need to get married. We can just shack up. Well, that's unbiblical. You know, we're not supposed to get involved in fornication. That's unbiblical. It's sin. So, you know, regardless of what the world says, we have to adhere to what God's standards are and how we treat women and how we treat each other. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I agree with everything that you say. I, I agree with all that, especially me being a, um, a, a um, I'm single myself, and um, I agree with everything. I don't disagree with anything you said. I, I believe it all, especially in especially in terms of um, fornication. I, I strongly, strongly believe, you know, says according to the scriptures that two people it should uh, uh, sexual intimacy should be in the context of marriage. In marriage, you should not be doing that. I, I strongly believe that, and. Right. I myself, I hold to that. Until I'm married, that's where I'm going to keep myself. If I'm not, I'm, you know, what I'm saying, if, or else, or else, I just be like this the rest of my life. I'm not going to do that because it dishonors God, and God has called us to to live holy. And this is my temple. And He, Jesus died. Mm-hmm. He paid a heavy price for this for me to be quoting scriptures and you know and claiming to live a life of God, but at the same time, behind closed doors, I'm being sexually intimate with somebody. How is that representing the Savior? Right. And and one of the things that, uh, as, as far as the biblical motif, uh, you want to look at passages such as, in, in, in terms of answering your question, 
you want to look at the biblical motif, and that's First uh, Corinthians chapter six, because it talks about uh, those who practice fornication, uh, homosexuality, and all of those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's uh, uh, and then also you want to look at the principles that Paul lays out, the Apostle Paul lays out in First Corinthians seven. Because he talks about the single people and the married people, then you look at Ephesians five, and then First Corinthians fifteen, where he talks about um, you know be unequally yoked uh, with uh, unbelievers mm-hmm. and uh, what fellowship is light and darkness. So uh, you want to look at the role model, the biblical motif that God has established in the Word of God, and and live by that. Okay, so anyway, uh, we appreciate your call, and just get your question real quick, and so we can pray, because we got several other callers, too. Okay, if you just pray for me, um, however you guys feel like praying, pray for Mother Rosa Linda, and uh, pray for my family. I definitely believe we need to pray for uh, Trump, as he's, he's in office, that he'll be, you know, uh, led, you know led, led by the Spirit, and then just continue to lift up Morris Chestnut and um, Tom Cruise, and what's that other guy... Uh, uh, Will Smith, you know, and, and all the other celebrities who need, you know, need Christ. Okay, very good. We'll uh, do that. All right. <clears throat> we want to encourage Jermaine and Lee and uh, Marguerite to hang in there with us all so right. we can get to it. Go ahead. Well, so, Lord, we just lift up uh, CeCe's family. We pray for all the prayer requests. You heard them, Lord God, that you would just bless, move, and, and touch the lives of all those he mentioned. We also pray for those families of the people in this tragic fire in Oakland over the weekend, Lord God, that you would just give them comfort during this struggle, Lord God. Well, it's time for us to go to the commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We do want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Barry, a pastor, lecture counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 Don't be shy. Pick that phone up. Give us a call. We want to hear from you tonight. And again, we just want to thank everyone who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. And we just like to thank all of you who have contributed over the past two weeks to this ministry financially. It's so important that you pray for us. It's so important that you partner with us financially to keep this ministry alive and kicking, especially through the winter months and the holiday season is upon us. And as you're out there shopping and giving gifts, consider giving a gift to Contending for the Faith. There's two ways you can give. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. It's about everybody on the planet these days has a smartphone, and you can go on your phone go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Hit the donate button, and it's that simple, and you'll be a blessing to this ministry for time and eternity, touching lives and helping us continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate that. And let's get right to Jermaine. Jermaine, how are you doing this evening? Brother Jermaine? Jermaine, are you there? Oh, I'm here. Yeah. Well, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> we weren't sure if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm yeah. doing very well, fellas. Good to hear you back. Well, good. Uh, we trust you had a blessed Thanksgiving. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was wonderful. We were just 
thankful to be here. And we also trust that you didn't eat too much. <laughs> I thought maybe he'd gone back into the coma and <laughs> we didn't hear him. Yeah, don't, don't put your trust there. <laughs> hey, man, I hear you. El tryptophan is real. Yeah. <laughs> What's on your heart tonight, my brother? I was having a conversation with a very good Christian brother of mine, and, uh, you know, he's he's a good man. But one question he has that, that a lot of Christians have is, what happens to uh, people who've never heard the gospel all over the world or even in parts of our country? And, and I think what prompted that is is uh, some some denominations seem to almost take a glee in people going to hell, and they uh, they preach from a point of fear. And it just kind of turns a lot of people off. And I, uh, I have made the case that you know, if you examine the scriptures, God is 100 percent fair, and we just don't know some things. But he, he kind of makes it clear to me that everyone individually is examined, and he's he's going to be judging. But what what would you say from a scripture point of view to answer some of those people who send to seem to be so judgmental, and they they seem to send everybody to hell. They don't even give them a chance. Well, that's a good question, and this is uh, a falls in the area of uh, an apologetic question, you know, and I've dealt with this quite a bit uh, for 40 years of my ministry. Well, the first thing is uh, the Bible is clear that the God uh, of the whole earth will do that which is just. He is a just God, and he will judge people on a just level. The second thing is that uh, no one goes to hell um, before Christ came, who didn't hear the name of Jesus Christ, um, what happens is a person goes to hell for rejecting the lesser light that would have brought them to the greater light. Uh, for instance, uh, in, in John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So God has given a light into the world um, before Christ has come. He's the greater light, but God has had a lesser light by which he's given to mankind to come to him and be saved. Uh, remember the Apostle Paul says in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being, and he's not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. When the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 17, he's not far from any one of us, that means that God is very near, and there is a lesser light to bring us to the greater light. Now, let me kind of like share with you what I mean by the lesser light that leads us to the greater light. And you may want to write this down, because I shared this in the apologetic class that I taught, and this will help you out just looking at it from the standpoint of three C's, okay? I'm going to give you three C's that uh, describes and breaks down how God works with the lesser light, bringing it to the greater light. And this is built upon Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3. So in Romans chapter 1, if you do an exegetical study of Romans chapter 1, you'll find that God has revealed himself with the first C, in creation. And then, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about this, but in the Old Testament, uh, David talks about this, the earth declared the glory of God, the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. So God is seen in creation. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's clear 
from Romans chapter 1, that he's even his uh, Godhead is seen in creation, Paul argues, because you see threes in everything in life, you know, uh, you know, what can go on and on with man being created, uh, one person with three aspects of him, water, water can be solid, liquid, and gas, and you can go on and on. So the Godhead is seen in creation, and then that's the first C. And then the second C is in Romans chapter 2, where God has revealed himself in man's conscience. So, you know, the Apostle Paul says the conscience uh, accusing and excusing. So man is without an excuse, and excuses don't excuse, but they only accuse. And I had a uh, Christian philosopher teacher, Dr. Cunningham, and Dr. Cunningham used to walk through the aisles to us as students. I took a philosophy class with him, and he said something so profound one time, and it was this, that there is no such thing as an atheist because God has uh, revealed himself in man's conscience, and every man has a sense of oughtness. He knows what he ought to do and what he ought not to do because God has revealed that in man's conscience. So that's the second C. And then the third C is found in Romans chapter 3, and that's Christ. And it talks about Christ there. So the lesser light uh, God has revealed to people such as the cavemen, the uh, Ubangis, the Aborigines, the Aborigines, rather, the Zulus, and everyone that was living before. And look at an example of Abraham. You know, he was in a, a, a pagan uh, world where there was a moon god. And a lot of people think that this moon god is the same thing that's related to the moon god of Islam. And, uh, and so God came to Abraham in the midst of all of that, and he came to know God. So he spoke to him. God spoke to Abraham in his creation, in his conscience, and he came to listen to what God had to say and became <clears throat> the great uh, person by which through Abraham's seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So it's important for us to, to see this. So uh, no one goes to hell. Let me repeat this one more time. No one goes to hell. Uh, before the time of Christ, for not hearing Christ. They go to hell for rejecting the lesser light that would have brought them to the greater light. So God is not going to be held accountable for no one. I think that there's cavemen out there that used to live and people out there that never heard the gospel. They, the moon was there, the stars, and they were looking at those things, and all of a sudden they didn't know the name of God. But the moment that they said, Whoever you are, I believe in you. Because the, the, David says the earth declared the glory of God. And when the moment they said that, they got saved. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, that's just to kind of break it down. Hopefully that helped you out. Uh, yeah, I think that helps a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I know we're short on time, so I'm going to ask a follow-up probably next week and, and discuss this with my friend. Uh, Very I, good. I really and, and let us know how it turned out because you got some good meat tonight. All right. Thank you very much. All right. And thank you for your good question. You always have good questions. And God bless you and your family. All righty. 
All right. We've got time to get to Lee in uh, Palo Alto. Lee, welcome to Contending for the Faith. How are you tonight? I'm well. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question. I've been to a presentation, and it was a rather large group of people that were there. The topic was forgiveness, forgiving well. And they had a testimony by a family who'd experienced a real tragedy in a long-term illness of a family member. And it points a little to what Cece talked about in terms of uh, your saying to your mountain, move, and if you have faith and whatever, if you believe. This is a Christian family. They have friends all over the country. Everybody was praying. They were totally convinced this family member was going to be healed, but the family member died. And in talking about forgiving, forgiveness, healing, getting over the grief, uh, they mentioned, you know, forgiving people for maybe saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, whatever. And that was appropriate. And I don't mean to diminish the grief the family went through and the crushing blow in terms of maybe even disappointment with God or anger with God, because they did believe so much and they thought that things were going to be all right. And it turned out that they weren't. But one thing that just really astounded me was it seemed as though everybody, the the family and then everybody I talked to afterwards, forgiving God is is like a good thing to do. And I was shocked because, I mean, it gnawed at me. I read the Bible. I read Job. Job lost all his family members. He lost his health, his reputation, uh, his livelihood when all of his animals were stolen. And yet we saw God's interaction with Job. Nowhere did Job forgive God. God doesn't need to be forgiven. He's sovereign, and we don't know his will. We can question him, be angry, disappointed, but we don't forgive God. And what's shocking shocking me is that other people won't seem to be all that concerned about it. You know, I mean, I'm almost thinking that God being forgiven might be a trend in the future. You know, if he doesn't bring you a husband, well, we'll forgive God. If all these other things happen that are bad, we'll forgive God. You know, it's poor theology, but I can't express myself to to anybody, and I don't plan to do anything about it. I'm only calling for my own uh, growth. Well, let me say something. Any? Let me say something to you about what you're saying, and I, I hear exactly where you're coming from because I've dealt with this uh, quite a bit too in my ministry. But the concept of one saying that they have to forgive God is under the um, assumption that God has done something wrong. Right. So anytime you say you have to forgive God, you're saying that God did something wrong, and that's not only blasphemy, but it's bad theology. Right. A lot of times when you're around groups like this, uh, and that's uh, one of the things I want to say to Cece, and I want to say to you that, a lot of these groups that talk about moving mountains are word faith teachers, and word faith teachers and prosperity teachers, they have this concept of naming it and claiming it. So if I name a relative to live and not die, or if I name it and claim it uh, for a mansion, it's going to happen. If I name it and claim it, for a disease to be gone, it's going to happen because uh, according to what Jesus is saying here, any mountain will be removed. 
But what people forget is that First um, uh, John 5 and 14, we always interject God's will with mountains, with life, and with everything we go through, because God's will sometimes is to take people to be with him. God's will is sometimes to leave people here. And we got to look at things in the light of Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. And God has a purpose in everything he does. Even when things don't go the way we want it to go, we always got to look at it from that perspective. So uh, I hear where you're coming from. Look like we were hearing that music, but I want to discuss this again with you sometime and Thank you for your call and your good uh, points as well. Thank you. All right. God bless you. God bless you, too. All righty. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Rick and Bone Monty, our phone counselors, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553 Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 